Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. As he winds down his time in office, Congressman Mac Thornberry spoke to Texas Farm Bureau leaders during a meeting in Pampa. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. A Texas port is getting an upgrade. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up. It's hard to believe that we're in the fall right now, but how do we prepare plants for winter? Please tell me, John Begnos, we discussed winterizing plants in Texas. October is National Farm to School Month. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. As Texas Panhandle Representative Mac Thornberry prepares to retire from Congress, he's making a special request. James Hunt reports from Pampa. In delivering his annual legislative update to local Farm Bureau leaders who were gathered in Pampa, the congressman urged them to remain engaged in defending private property rights. As he explained after his address, Thornberry sees the threat to those rights as one that is expanding. When we talk about private property rights, sometimes it's not just land. It's your animals. It's somebody else who is trying to tell you how to deal with your cattle or hogs or horses or whatever it may be. Thornberry says Farm Bureau has long been an effective advocate for private property rights, and on a night when Farm Bureau leaders offered gratitude to him for his 26 years of service, Thornberry said as a representative of a rural district, Farm Bureau's credibility with his fellow lawmakers has been extremely helpful on many issues. There's just a degree of class that goes with Farm Bureau believes this or says that that can't be duplicated. In Pampa, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Museum of Agriculture in Lubbock now has a new name and a new long-term sponsorship commitment from BASF. When we look at, uh, at Texas as a whole, um, and, and, and specifically uh, West Texas, um, that Lubbock area, we really look at it as, uh, as as Texas is the heart of cotton production in the U.S. That's Malin Westfall, BASF head of U.S. cotton business. He says the museum is now called the FiberMax Center for Discovery. We look at the FiberMax Center for Discovery as one of those opportunities to give back to the community and help tell the story of the Texas cotton farmer. BASF's Malin Westfall. A Texas port is getting an upgrade, and that's good news for Texas farmers. Jessica Domel reports. The U.S. Department of Transportation has approved a $14.5 million infrastructure grant aimed at improving the port of Brownsville. The grant will support the development, expansion, and upgrade of the grain and bulk handling facility at the port. National Sorghum Producer CEO Tim Lust said the grant will create opportunity for market access and expansion for U.S. sorghum growers. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Fall is here and it's time to prepare plants for the upcoming Texas winter. Horticulturalist John Begno has some advice from San Angelo. Well, we're finally into fall. Some days feel like it, some days feel like summer. That's a typical Texas fall season. And we think sometimes about preparing our plants for winter. And you know, in the wild, Mother Nature prepares the plants out there by themselves. Uh, days get shorter, nights get cooler, leaves begin to, to harden off and shed, and they, they prepare themselves. And there's only an event, or occasionally an event, like an early freeze or in South Texas, a late hurricane or things that traumatize these plants. They'll be just fine. But it's when you and I in our landscaping world try to plant and utilize plants in our landscape that are out of their zone. In other words, if you live in Zone 7, which is the middle part of the state of Texas, and you're growing lantanas and a bunch of bird of paradise and beautiful flowering plants that are Zone 8, 9, and 10, then what we do now can have a definite influence on how they survive. Don't have to prune them, don't have to cut them off. But one little trick that we do, especially on young, newly planted stuff that was just planted this year, is we heal them up. And this is something that's done up north on plants like roses even, to protect that bud zone. You might pile a layer of mulch two to four inches up on those stems at the ground level. You might add a little bit of soil. But it's amazing how much tougher plants can be and survive, even our coldest winters in Texas, if you kind of prepare these marginal plants. And you're going to bring those that are in containers indoors, bring in greenhouses or in patios or porches or whatever, but those that are in the ground, try this trip to extend their winter hardiness. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo for Texas Farm Bureau Roundup. October is National Farm to School Month. Tom Nicoletti visits with a USDA official about the Farm to School program. My guest today is Brandon Lips. He joins us from Washington, D.C. He is uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services. And Brandon, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, You've been with us uh, recently on our program. And Today, we talk about uh, USDA's Farm to School program. Explain for our listeners uh, what that program is all about. Sure, Tom. Thanks for having us on. It's always uh, good to talk to the folks back in Texas about the important things happening in D.C. that have effects out there. This month, October, is National Farm to School Month. It's one of the many programs we run uh, here at the U.S. Department of Agriculture in our uh, Food Nutrition Service area. And Farm to School is just a really important program. It's one of those that benefits so many different stakeholders from students and teachers community members, and certainly to American farmers, ranchers, and fishers as they all connect together on this program that really ultimately is designed to benefit our school children and to advance agriculture in the school curriculum. So talk a little bit about some of the farm-to-school activities uh, that uh, brings education alive uh, in the classroom for students uh, across Texas and the nation. Sure, Tom, and I'll tell you, one of the most impressive things to me about the Farm to School program when I started here at USDA, I was aware of this program, but I hadn't uh, participated deeply in it. Actually, one of my first Farm to School visits was in San Antonio at uh, an IDEA public school down there, and someone had donated some land to them on which they have a pretty decent-sized skull farm out there. And it was just so impressive, both the farm that they have, the way that they bring the produce that they make into the cafeteria, but also into the classroom. And they 
even some of their uh, kids who struggle with emotional issues, they allow them to spend time out working on that farm to help resolve that. And so it's really benefiting kids across the spectrum. One of our jobs at the Food Nutrition Service is to help kids make healthy, nutritious choices. It's obviously what we do through the National School Lunch and Breakfast Program and, and even in our summer programs. And we really see so much opportunity for kids as they learn to grow their own fruits and vegetables and harvest those. You'll see kids trying things that they've never eaten before and liking them because when you participate in that process, there's obviously an emotional attachment. And so I think that we make so much more progress in in leading kids to healthy choices through these type of activities than we do through more strict government regulation. So we're really excited about that. Obviously, also teaches the kids about agriculture. And as a guy that grew up in a small farming community, we know that most of the American public is two, three generations removed from the farm. They don't understand where their food comes from, and they don't understand the difficulty and the challenges in growing that. And so anytime we can help certainly our urban kids, but now even our suburban and sometimes our rural kids understand more about that. There's a very positive effect on agriculture, the agricultural economy, and the long-term opportunities that we have with that. Brandon Lips with the U.S. Department of Agriculture will join me again next time to talk more about USDA's Farm to School program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Last week's World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report by the Department of Agriculture changed the cotton production forecast. Dr. Jody Campici is Vice President of Economics at the National Cotton Council. She says the report shows a slight drop in production. As we look into next month, we could see a slightly larger drop because we've had a hurricane come through since that uh, number was estimated. I think the trade was expecting a slightly bigger drop in production, just kind of as the aftermath of various hurricanes and then just uh, some, some other quality issues. But overall, really not much to, to move the balance sheet. We did see an increase in prices. And, you know, right now prices are 68 cents, approaching 69 cents, which is the, the highest we've seen since pre-COVID levels. And as we look at, you know, kind of the balance sheet in a, as a whole, We still don't have a a real reason to support an increase in prices from the balance sheet alone. But what we've seen is a lot of uh, activity in the spec markets that's really kind of helping to move those prices up a bit. The report also indicates China is projected to increase cotton imports by about a half million bales. If we look at where China's at right now, uh, China has actually been a pretty decent buyer of of U.S. cotton this crop year. Their commitments have reached about 3.6. 3 million bells, and that's that's about 38% of our total export commitments. So we have commitments of 8.7 million at this time, which is a really large number, number for this time of the year. But we had a big carryover from the previous crop year due to the COVID pandemic. So the numbers look large right now for commitments. But again, we've only shipped 1.2 million bells to China so far, and we've shipped a total of 2.5 million bells to all countries. So you know, it, it, it all depends on whether the, the crop gets actually shipped to those countries, where, uh, whether or not we meet those export commitments. Dr. Jody Campici, National Cotton Council Vice President of Economics. An online resource can help you spell out hunting rights in your lease. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And we usually think of anxiety as a human problem, but it can also affect animals. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a look at that issue coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A lot of folks think of anxiety as a human problem, but it can also affect animals, especially dogs. Dr. Bob Judd has more. And of the animals with anxiety, dogs are the most common species that are treated for the condition. There are many different causes of anxiety, but the symptoms of all the types are similar and include pacing, hiding, excessive grooming, barking, chewing, and destruction of objects, shaking, and panting. And these signs occur repetitively with incessant barking, pacing, and grooming. Some dogs will also develop aggression, eat their own feces, attempt to escape confinement in normal areas, and just continually show excessive energy. Behavioral problems in animals, just as in people, can be difficult to diagnose and treat because all are so different. If a dog has a heart problem and certain test results indicate that, we know how to handle them. However, every behavior is different and therefore more difficult to treat. One option is desensitization, and this works by slowly exposing the dog to the cause of the anxiety and gradually getting them less sensitized over time to the cause of the anxiety. Developing a fixed routine with feeding at the same time and going to the bathroom at the same time can decrease anxiety. Calming equipment like thunder shirts can be helpful as these create pressure and causes the release of endorphins that make the dogs feel good. There are many medications for anxiety in dogs and just like anxiety medications for people, these anxiety medications require a lot of trial and error to find the correct drug and the correct dosage. And although CBD oil has been used for anxiety in animals, we do not know about the ingredients in the CBD products and do not know about potential long-term effects on the liver and other organs. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. An online resource can help you spell out hunting rights on your lease. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. With dove season underway and both quail and the general white-tailed deer season on the horizon, now is the time to ensure that you have hunting rights ironed out in your leases. Tiffany Dowell-Lashmet, Agriculture Law Specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says the online Ranchers Leasing Workshop can help both landowners and tenants ensure hunting, grazing, and livestock rights are addressed in any lease. We really try to kind of cover the gamut of it. And so we start with, you know, basic things like why it might be beneficial to do a lease and why your leases should be in writing. And then we really spend a good chunk of time on some of the economics of it, how to structure a lease from an economic standpoint, what average lease rates are around the state, and where there are resources you could find those, because that can be tricky to try to find the averages. And then we really dive into those terms that you want to have in a lease. In the online course, you also get a PDF version of our Ranchers Agriculture Leasing Handbook. And that just kind of corresponds with the course. It goes into even more more depth. And one of the real benefits of that is there's a checklist for each type of lease, grazing, hunting, and livestock, and some corresponding sample lease language you could use to put together a lease yourself. 
The online workshop will not replace the in-person workshops hosted across the state. It is an additional resource for those landowners and tenants who may not be able to make it out to one of the workshops in the future. The online Ranchers Leasing Workshop is available on demand on agrilifelearn.tamu.edu. Click on Business and Finance and then Ranchers Leasing Workshop. Again, that's agrilifelearn.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, it was an ugly day in the cattle market. We saw massive losses in both live and feeder cattle futures. However, that cotton market just isn't running out of steam. It busted through 70 cents. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup jim today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Today was the day for new trading limits in cattle futures, and boy, it was a tough day for that. Now, these aren't the temporary expanded limits that we usually have. These are permanent trading limits. We're going from $3 on live cattle to $4 in a day. Feeder cattle limits now going from $4.50 to $5. Those are permanent limits now on both the live and feeder cattle contracts. And boy, it was an ugly day to kick those in. October live cattle dropped 315 today closing at 104 even december down 347 10515 february live cattle down 330 at 10817 feeder cattle taking a big drop also october feeders down 350 13460 november down 495 closing at 13007 january feeders down 410 12552 it looks like that big drop in the futures market spooked the feedlots. DTN reporting that we saw some Monday fed cattle sales. Boy, we don't see that very often. Reports of Monday fed cattle sales right here in Texas at 106. Boxed beef prices lower choice down 17, 209.86. Select down a dollar five, 192.47. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Gonzalez Livestock Market, Gonzalez, Texas, sold 1,820 head over the weekend. Two to 300 pound steers brought a dollar 87 to a dollar 95. Three to four weight steers a dollar 77 to a dollar 85. Four to five. 500 pounders, a dollar 39 to a dollar 75 a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar 27 to a dollar 35.
five, six to seven hundred pounders a dollar seventeen to a dollar twenty three, and seven to eight weight steers brought a dollar eleven to a dollar fifty one a pound. Slaughter cows twenty eight to fifty five cents. Slaughter bulls sixty four to seventy seven. Stocker cows five twenty five to a thousand twenty five a head. Cow calf pairs seven fifty to twelve hundred a pair. Up in the Panhandle, Cattlemen's Livestock Auction, Dalhart, Texas, selling 2,807 last week. Four to 500 pound steers range from $1.24 to $1.55 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.24 to $1.43. Six to 700 pounders, $1.10 to $1.36 a pound. Seven to eight weight steers, $1.15 to $1.34. And just a handful of eight to nine weight steers bringing a dollar thirty-five to a dollar thirty-six a pound. Slaughter cows range from twenty-one to fifty-four cents. Slaughter bulls seventy to seventy-five cents. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs close mixed. December hogs up a dollar seventy-two at seventy-one forty-two. February hogs down ten cents, seventy eighty-five. Class three milk higher. October milk up three cents, twenty-one forty-one a hundred weight. November milk up seventy-five at twenty-one sixty-seven. The cotton market continues to defy the odds and move higher, a big triple-digit gain. It looks like traders believe the size of the 2020 cotton crop may be overstated by USDA. We've had those two big hurricanes push through the U.S. Delta and the Southeast over the last month or so, and traders think that maybe there are more losses out there than we know right now. We moved through that 70-cent level and closed with December cotton up 124 points, 71.16, March cotton up 127 at 71.83. Wheat planting continues to move forward at a good pace, but the dry weather continues to put a floor underneath the wheat market. December Kansas City wheat up four and a quarter, 5.63 a bushel. New crop July wheat up three and a half at 5.79. Corn closed higher. December corn up three and a quarter, 4.05 and a quarter. In the energy markets, natural gas higher, the November contract up eight cents at two eighty five. November crude oil down twenty one forty sixty seven a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 416 points, 28,189. The Nasdaq down 194, 11,476. The S&P 500 down 57 at 3,426. Well, that's a look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, I really appreciate you tuning in. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. We'll see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.